The Devil's Advocates Radio Show is broadcast under a time brokerage agreement between Devil Radio and Civic Media Inc. Some portions of this program may be pre recorded. Warning You're about to listen to the greatest radio show ever. And due to contractual obligations and to shield our airwaves and corporate licensees from any semblance of liability, responsibility, and gullibility, we must tell you the views represented on this show are not necessarily those of this station or its management. This radio show contains differing points of view on current political topics, and due to the nature of its contents, it should be heard by everyone. Thank you for listening. Now live from the Civic Media Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, where the political party is just beginning, welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Friends proving it's never personal, only politics. Please allow me to introduce myself. And now, here's your hosts, Dom and Crute. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show, a Biden Building Bridges Thursday edition, a happier happy hour and it gets happier right now. We got James Santel, former U.S. attorney, host of a soon-to-be-rebranded show, Saturday mornings, 9 to 11 on Civic Media, probably the Jim Santel Show. That'd be an excellent name for it. Jim, welcome back to the Devil's Advocates. We should have been the Michael Crute Show and Dom. Um... However you brand yourselves, I'm always delighted to be in your company, including on a Thursday afternoon. Well, what an Thanks, interesting buddy. contrast. The current president of the United States bringing home the bacon, delivering a bridge in northern Wisconsin, a bridge to another state, to a future, and the former president sitting in a defamation trial. And let me start with this question. Did Trump have to be there? There was nothing compelling his testimony today. He didn't accomplish anything except probably making himself unsympathetic to the jury. Why was he there other than what? It is once again, right? It is once again a head scratcher, and you have to believe that all these court appearances are not in any way to have an impact upon the ultimate judgment, but are instead for his purposes. So that tonight on Truth Social, in other appearances on the campaign trail, he can once again talk about how he has been victimized. Of course, just the opposite is true. This is the portion of the trial. Judge Lewis Kaplan, federal judge, has previously ruled that the finding of of defamation is solid. It is there. This is the portion of the trial we're focusing on damages. How much money, how much money should Donald Trump pay to attempt to restore E. Jean Carroll's reputation and her basic uh, solid reputation in the nation? That's what this issue is about. The case, again, focusing upon monetary damages to answer your question, no, there's no real, he could certainly be there. He's a right to be there as a defendant, but does not need to be there and does certainly does not need to testify because as you indicated, I think about three and a half minutes of testimony, all of it, all of it irrelevant, frankly, to any damages issue. And as you indicated in a previous segment, you got Judge Kaplan also cutting him off on the second question asked, because once again, he's gone outside of the parameters of the judge's set focusing on damages and not on liability. Also his responsibility um, to rein that in, responsibility also of the the, uh, trial uh, uh, attorneys themselves to organize this, this not well done by them once again. And James Santel, our good friend, former U.S. attorney, um, the underlying allegation here is that he raped a woman. 
in a Bergstrom department store dressing room. And he has said many times, well, I don't know this woman. I don't recognize this woman. In my understanding, his prior deposition was played again. And we've we've seen this. We've got this sound. We're going to play it. Uh, if you'll indulge us, counsel, Nate, I'm going to need your help. Play Trump from his prior deposition. And he confuses E. Jean Carroll with his former wife. And they played this again today, in my understanding, from the reporting I saw from the courtroom. The courtroom went silent. Play it for the people. I think so, yes. And do you recall when you first saw this photo? At some point during the process, I saw it. That's, uh, I guess, her husband, John Johnson, who was an anchor for ABC. Nice guy. I thought, I mean, I don't know him, but I thought he was pretty good at what he did. Um, I don't even know who the woman, let's see, I don't know who, it's Marla. No. You're saying Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah, that's, that's my wife. Which woman are you pointing to? No. Here. Carol. Oh, is that, The person oh, well. you just pointed to was oh, Eugene Carroll. Who is that? Who is this? Oh. And the person, the woman on the right is your, then why is I don't your know, mama? this was the picture. Oh. I assume that's John Johnson, is that? Because it's very blurry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's getting blurry right about now. Jim, he, of course, used as a defense that I would never find a woman like this attractive. You know, that, of course, is always his defense because there are many allegations that this man has raped or, or sexually assaulted women. Uh, but this is a pretty damning video testimony. I mean, how damning is this to a jury and the rest of the, the, the video I've seen or, or saw reported on Jim how, it is, it is, was yeah, him absolutely. boasting about how rich he is and how wealthy he is and what a powerful brand he has. And they're setting the damages based on this guy's claims of how rich he is. This could get really expensive, couldn't it, Jim? Could get very expensive. And to go to that point, recognize that this jury has before it not only the question about compensatory damages, as we just spoke, but also punitive damages. What is the amount of money that can stop Donald Trump from doing this in the future? And there and there, unlike the compensatory damages where E. Jean Carroll's presented witnesses who talk about her economic losses, there, the jury is not completely on its own, but can make a determination about what they think this particular fellow needs to have on his judgment that will stop him from doing that in the future. And that's why these kinds of tapes are all telling. Um, no doubt, silence in the courtroom. You can even hear Roberta Kaplan sort of uh, during the course of the deposition. She's representing E. Jean Carroll during the course of the deposition, but also at trial. She is also probably just taken aback by this in the deposition when Donald Trump has identified Marla. Marla, and in fact, that's E. Jean Carroll. It is, it is stunning, and it's been a part of the trials previously. This is not going to go well, and it's just more indication that the jury has in front of it not only a substantial basis upon which to return virtually everything that E. Jean Carroll and Roberta Kaplan are asking for, but also then to punish him, to stop him, to try to get his attention, if that's possible, with Donald Trump, and to tell him that you now have to pay this amount of money. You continue to do this. It's only going to get worse. Folks, you're listening to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Former U.S. Attorney James Santel joining us. Jim, always a pleasure. Uh, 
Donald Trump continues, like like even last night, to my understanding, like 30 some tweets or messages, you know, out there on the social media, uh, you know, ripping on on the judge on Eugene Carroll. This continues literally to this day, Jim. And this is something that, you know, this is the second one uh, I've seen reporting that perhaps there could be a third. I mean, if he con- continues to do this. So h- how does this work? If, if the guy. Can they come back with, he's already got 5 million, right? You come back with 10, you come back with, with, with 20, 100. Can you make it contingent that if he keeps, every time he says something, he's got to, you know, pay another 10 million? I mean, for, for real, what can practically be done? Because if the guy never shuts up, if he, if he continues to do it and blows off uh, what the court says and continues to defame E. Jean Carroll, what can be done about it? Right. Where's the end of this exactly? Yeah. And, and also, of course, we know that during the course of the trial itself, he has been doing the same thing, Dom, not only in these campaign appearances, but quite literally in real time, while the trial is going on, he's doing it. It is stunning. And to Roberta Kaplan's credit, she is finding out about that and playing them to the jury almost in real time. There's more damage being done while the trial is going on. It is incredible. And to ask, answer your question about contingencies and what are the, about the future, when the judgment comes back, that draws a bright line, if you will, at least on the, the engagement of, of defamation that Donald Trump has done to that point. He does it again after the judgment comes back. And you're absolutely right. Um, e. Jean Carroll can go back again and say, let's initiate yet a third round of litigation and start this over again. Again, that, that kind of thing, I suspect she's going to be arguing about that tomorrow morning when oral arguments happen. Be fascinating to hear what Donald Trump's lawyers are going to say about all this. But that issue, once again, of stopping him from doing this, that's what this case is all about. Who knows if he will ever, ever pay these multi-million dollar judgments, but they're intended to do just that deterrence, which we talk about a lot. Stop this. Stop this. It's only going to get worse. All right, Jim, let's move along. Uh, The three-judge panel, the U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C., they heard oral arguments back in January 9th about Trump's, you know, ultimate presidential immunity. I can do anything. I can, you know, assassinate my political rivals. We haven't heard anything back yet, Jim. What What does that say to you? This seems like a slam dunk to me. What are your thoughts, Counselor? It is a slam dunk. This is a no brainer. This is nothing to see here kind of a thing as we have chatted about before. Uh, no president in our history, no president of the Constitution has a right to a complete pass when it comes to criminal activity. And again, to make the point that we have shared before on this fine broadcast, if any court, including the Court of Appeals, including the Supreme Court, they shouldn't even come close to this. If any court says, yes, indeed, there is even some area of, of behavior where he has got a criminal immunity, that's when we've got kings. That's when our, our republic is destroyed. We go back then to having having a monarchy as opposed to what we have today. So the Court of Appeals, that's right, January 9th has taken this under advisement. It is the kind of thing that is so important to the nation, although the, the underlying issue is so ridiculous, but it's important to get this resolved and get this put to bed because it is the one thing that's standing between a start of the trial in D.C. in front of Judge Shutkin on what Mike identifies as the single most important case. Appropriately, this is the interference case. The Court of Appeals needs to issue this opinion. Uh, I assume that they're putting together a 50, 100-page order to establish this so it's clear on, on appeal. It goes up to the Supreme Court that they've done their work. 
but this should be done expeditiously. They need to stay up all night to get this done, get this resolved. Supreme Court, if Donald Trump uh, see, seeks review before them, should say no, goes back to uh, uh, Judge Shutkin so the trial can, can be conducted forthwith. Folks, you are listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show. James Santel, our friend, former U.S. attorney. He's going to stick around for another segment. Lots and lots of things to discuss, Jim. Always a pleasure when you come around the Devil's Advocates. We appreciate it. Folks, you stick around. Uh, Jim, think about this for a moment. On this particular case, Republican-appointed Judge uh, Karen Henderson. Uh, any concerns, and think about this when we come back, that maybe she would write her own opinion on this, perhaps throw it back. Uh, uh, to Chutkin. Uh, we'll address that and some other issues as well. Stick around. You got it. You got another one right there. That's another you got one. One more right there. I'm doing society a favor. The devil's advocates may not agree on much, but funny is funny. <laughs> Devils, Advocates Radio Show, James Santel, former U.S. Attorney, our friend, sticking around for a segment. Thank you, Jim. Uh, before the break, talking about Judge Karen Henderson, the D.C. Court of Appeals, uh, perhaps wondering if, if she could write her own opinion, bring it back, throw it back to, to Chutkin, suggesting perhaps the actions could be considered official acts as president. Uh, what do you think the odds are of this, Jim? It, there's, it's entirely possible. So the procedure here is you've got three judges and it's fairly clear from the comments and the questions during the course of the oral argument that none of them is buying into this theory. Even Judge Henderson uh, said something like, it's paradoxical to say that there's a constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed, and then also can go out and violate the criminal law. So I think she's going to write an opinion if she does decide to concur that is, again, supporting the ultimate judgment. But she could, she could, if she doesn't join the opinion of the other two, she could write in concurrence, agreeing with them, but on a different basis. And she was asking some procedural questions, as do all appellate court judges, about the consequences of this. My sense is that you'll get either a two to one, that's probably remote, but probably a 3-0. And maybe, maybe, Dom, as you're indicating, Judge Henderson will write separately to support the judgment, but find it maybe on a different basis. Although, once again, um, she was pretty clear during the course of the oral argument that even she uh, was not buying into what Donald Trump and his attorneys were attempting to sell on that day. Jim, you're probably very aware we're right in the middle of a presidential campaign now, right? And Donald Trump, uh, apparently these these indictments make him irresistible to the MAGA Republican base. I, I don't understand it, Jim, but I'm not a MAGA Republican. But those that are apparently are are picking this guy. And when he goes into court with E. Jean Carroll for no apparent reason, well, of course, the, the reason is because then the cameras flock him. Then he has a media opportunity. And, and strangely, I don't think this guy truly feels like there is any bad press because he continues to steal the attention of the American people. So, again, we contrast Joe Biden delivering bridges and bringing home the bacon in the state of Wisconsin today. And this guy is going to face down a second defamation trial against a woman. He's already credibly been, you know, civilly found raped a woman. And and this is the association he goes back to over and over again. And Oh yeah, by the way, he's defaming her in real time during the trial. 
So I, I don't get it, Jim. This could be a monstrous financial ruling if it is, if the if the jury says a billion dollars. Uh, Kaplan will probably knock that down. Would they not? Would would the judge not not knock that down to some realistic figure? It could do that. Again, the jury should be, I hesitate to say temperate, but uh, at least balanced in, in rendering a punitive judgment amount here. But you're absolutely right, Mike. So what's really going on here is even this, even today, gives Donald Trump more fodder out there in the world beyond the courtroom. Why? Because he can come back and say, Lewis Kaplan, again, no relationship to the attorney who's representing E. Jean Carroll, Lewis Kaplan cuts him off when he begins to talk once again about his intent and those kinds of things, even in a re relatively scripted understanding with counsel about what he can and cannot say. Why? So he will now go out there and say, yep, once again, I'm in court and the judge didn't let me testify. That is not the case. That is simply not the case. There's a thing called relevance. And again, we're focused upon, as you just indicated, the monetary part of this. The judge gave him his opportunity. His attorney asks some badly worded questions. He <laughs> responds in a way that's kind of irrelevant too. And the judge says, we're, we're done with this. Roberta Kaplan then comes back and she is equally brief because she recognizes there's nothing here to say. And again, Donald Trump may well say, gee, gee even E. Jean Carroll's attorney had nothing to question me on. All of that is a misrepresentation of what goes on. And you know what it depends upon? It depends fundamentally. It is horrible to say on the lack of understanding of at least his portion of the American public about what's really going on here. Judges don't just cut people off for no reason. They decide on evidence. And when people don't understand that, they can buy into the crazy that Donald Trump then describes his trial as. That's the problem here. People, he, and he, he depends upon them not understanding what's going on. Folks, he is James Santel. You're listening to The Devil's Advocates. Uh, I know you're always a gracious guy, but let's talk for just a moment about Trump's counsel, Alina Haba. And uh, Jim, the, the look <laughs> says it. I wish the people on the radio could hear your look. Uh, but Alina Haba, well, she is of questionable credentials as a lawyer. Let's just say I'll be gracious for you, Jim. But here's something interesting. She claimed she had COVID last week and then went to a Trump party that night. And it is my understanding that uh, the judge in this case may sanction her over her misrepresentations to the court. Jim, I've always tried to tell the truth to the court. Can you tell me what would that look like? And, you know, is this monetary? Could she get uh, disbarment? How serious could this be? Yes, yes, and yes. So you might think, well, gee, that's unrelated to the substance of the trial. The judge has no jurisdiction. Just the opposite. If, especially in a situation like this, where the trial was what? The trial was delayed because of this COVID concern, right? If I stand up and I say, you know what, Your Honor, I can't go ahead because I, my witness is not prepared. My, my, they haven't arrived yet. There's some other problem I have. I've got a personal issue. My, my family has a, a health emergency of some kind. And I make that representation as an officer of the court and it has an impact upon the trial and it turns out that what I have said is not true. Absolutely. You don't do this in front of the jury, but you, you inquire the following morning, counsel, let's talk about what you said to me yesterday and let me determine whether or not what you said is true or not. That had an impact upon the trial. And therefore, what can a judge do? You bet. Sanction an attorney? Money. 
dollars, um, $500, $1,000, more than that, depending upon what the judge feels, once again, should be imposed upon that attorney for violating the basic rules of the court, which are ultimately, fundamentally being honest, if nothing more. She is not. In addition, my expression, which maybe the viewers watching this on live, live streaming here um, saw, she's also plainly, as the judges pointed out, incompetent. Yes, I'll use the I word. Even her singular question today um, it is, did you ever instruct anyone to hurt Ms. Carroll in your statements? Huh? What? What does that have to do with damages? And the judge lets it in. And thankfully, the whole thing concludes. She had some problems early on, even getting documents in, doesn't understand how to establish what's called a foundation. And the judge has to instruct her on how to do that. This is law school trial practice stuff. And she is plainly not up to this job. Uh, Jim, last 60 seconds, New York Times is reporting today that the Manhattan DA, uh, DA is quietly preparing for a Trump trial. I mean, if this thing gets delayed, at least the J6, the March date, do you think Alvin Bragg would be the first to go? Could be. Could be. He has always been very gracious, if you will, and saying, you know what, if these other trials don't, if they go, I'm willing to take a second second stage to you. But um, he's got, again, this the, the, the payoff trial. He's got the hush money trial. It, it's not a, a small trial, but it's not that elaborate either. And he's always said, I'm ready to go. Um, he could, well, I hesitate to say, slip in there. But the judge in front of him could also say, I've got time. Let's try this in a week or so. Let's get this underway. And that could happen. That could be the first trial not only to go, but also the first criminal indictment, as we recall, against Donald Trump a long, long time ago. And you, Counselor, will be invited back to describe the testimony given that the former president, raw dog to porn star. Uh, thank you, counselor, for joining us here on the Devil's Advocates, Jim Santel, calling Haba incompetent, Jim. I never thought I'd hear it from you. <laughs> Wonderful to see you, counselor. Thank you. Good to be with you as always, gentlemen. Take care. Grass fed, locally raised, 100% organic. The Devil's Advocates. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Thursday, that makes it Friday. Eve up in here, right, Dom? I know Come you on. love living for the weekends. We'll air some grievances, but Jim Santel is not one of them. Thank you to our good friend, the fine host of the Saturday morning 9 to 11 slot. Looking, looking to maybe do a rebrand. You know, the problem is the morning cannolis program, as you may know it, cannoli is the plural of cannoli. So calling it the morning cannolis is, is grammatically incorrect and has bothered many of the fine, intelligent people that listen to, to Jim's show. And he's such a gracious and nice guy. He, he, he just let it pass. I feel like we stuck him with that moniker in some way, shape, or form, Dom. You know, we played the... the, the hey, don't blame me, man. I love the me some cannoli, but it wasn't me. Well, the godfather, right? Leave the gun, take the cannolis. He says cannolis, so of course that's the way it's always said. And you know, poor Jim stuck with an ungrammatical <laughs> morning show, but it's excellent in content, uh, and soon to have a new brand. But you should listen, no matter what they call it. It's damn good radio. Thank you, Jim. Ah, uh, come on, you can always be a part of this show. Make this damn good. Some would say the greatest radio show ever. And you know, people continue to ask me, Dom. I was asked last night, close friends. Yeah. Why? Why? Are you guys 
so lacking in humility. Why do you call it the greatest radio show ever? I said, well, damn it, that's the truth. 844-967-2789. I've been listening to the radio my whole life. This, this, this is literally the greatest radio show ever. What do you want me to say? You're welcome. Uh, Mary <laughs> from Wauwatosa, welcome. What do you got for us, Mary? Hi, Mary. Hi. Uh, hi, gentlemen. Thanks for this opportunity to uh, express my opinion about uh, what has so many of us perplexed about Donald Trump. A significant part of my life has been that of a caregiver for a relative having a serious mm. mental illness, a lot of suffering there. And as a result, I've had a close-up look at the condition of psychosis, also known as detachment from reality. At one time, uh, at the wisdom and guidance of an RN who thought that family members and consumers needed a better understanding of psychosis, she offered us a course called how to enter the world of psychosis. It was revealing. And so in my lay opinion, as we all hear about and you know, from Donald Trump and try with great difficulty to understand him, I think we all have a front front row view of psychosis. Just my opinion. I hear your comments off the air. Thank you. Well, Thank you, Mary. Mary, I admire caregivers and for those that know and listen long enough, you may know that my wife uh, does the Empowered Caregiver Show here on the Civic Media Network uh, Wednesday nights. It also plays out Saturdays at 8 a.m. I encourage people to listen to that. It's a big part of the population. So first and foremost, thank you for what you do. But psychosis, I mean, I think that gives him the benefit of the doubt, Tom. I, I don't want to attribute anything other than his own flaws to him. I don't want to blame it on something. I mean, he is who he is. And, and, you know, the clinicians can argue over what you call it, but I don't, I don't want to somehow diminish it or someone else's condition by saying, Oh, that guy's got the same thing Donald Trump has. Well, certainly. Uh, and thank you for your call. Certainly Donald Trump ha has, has, has issues. I would say it, uh, you know, narcissism, uh, you know, being let off the hook, getting away with things his entire life. But that, that that's not the psychosis. Uh, perhaps there is an aging issue. Uh, Nikki Haley has been hitting him on this before. But I would point out the Drudge Report literally today uh, has a link to TheExpress.com. Concerned White House staff called psychiatrist about Trump's mental instability in 2017. Again, on the Drudge at The-Express.com. Um, let's assume that's the case. So this has been perhaps going on for quite some time. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly concerning. It's hard to, you know, to analyze anyone just from what we see in the, in the short time that we have. Of course, Trump's all over the place. But when someone like Donald Trump is posting on a social media like 30 or 40 times late at night going off the rails, I mean, that that's not normal behavior. You know what I mean? That's that's beyond the narcissism. I, I think there's something there. Uh, I, I, is it related to the age? Is it something different? I, it's, I I have absolutely no idea. All I do know is that if that guy was sitting next to me at the bar, uh, I, I'd be busting his chops and not accepting anything he had to say. 844-967-2789. Dom, before we go to additional callers, be patient for a minute. Let's, let's question what his current mental state might be. Here is fresh reporting from the Washington Post uh, as Trump has come out of the trial today. A visibly angry Donald Trump 
took the witness stand in New York federal court Thursday, delivering a few minutes of testimony in a defamation damages trial against him before walking out of court in a huff declaring, this is not America. He's having a bad day. <clears throat> the former president's much anticipated testimony in a civil trial brought by writer E. Jean Carroll for defaming her did not offer much in the way of evidence, but the front runner for the GOP presidential nomination complained bitterly before and after testifying that the judge was being unfair to him. Unfair. This guy's the biggest snowflake in the history of America, oh, is he not? I mean, because, because being held responsible to someone who's never been held responsible can seem like persecution to everybody else. It's just the way of the world, man. The trial is meant to determine what, if any, damages he owes. We know that part. You know, the first one is $5 billion. I think it could be. I, I Here's the over-under. 50. 50. Here's, no, no, I, I've got a bigger number than that. I think it's going to be over 50. I'm going to use this the over-under, the prior... Uh, judgment against Rudy Giuliani, $148 million. That was a defamation suit, was it not? Ooh. I'm going to say $148 million. This thing's going to All right, I'm up. taking the under. I'm taking the under. Coming on the heels of a resounding win in New Hampshire's primary this week, Thursday's courthouse hearing highlighted the degree to which his legal trouble seemed to have boosted, not hampered, his appeal to Republican voters. CJ's out there thinking, this is my guy. This defaming race rapist, my guy. These are all the characters I look for in leadership. 91 indictments. I love it more. Trump also faces four separate criminal trials. He has denied wrongdoing in all cases. And U.S. District Judge Louis A. Kaplan had repeatedly warned Trump lawyer Alina Haba that if the former president testified, the number of topics he could discuss would be severely limited based in part on the rules of evidence. We talked about that with Jim Santel. I want to know everything he's going to say before he gets on the stand. Kaplan said sternly, as the lawyers discussed the boundary lines of Trump's testimony, that's always a guy who's, you know, he's always, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he likes boundaries, right, Tom? Like, uh -huh. like I do. I like, I like to be restrained. Give me some guardrails. The former president muttered loud enough for some observers in the courtroom to hear, I never met her. I've never seen her before. Trump said from the defense table, noting that he didn't attend the first trial. Those comments immediately earned the judge's wrath. Mr. Trump, please keep your voice down. The judge scolded him. Trump didn't heed the warning and Kaplan reprimanded him again quickly saying, I'm sorry, Mr. Trump, you're interrupting these proceedings by talking loudly while your attorney is talking. And that is not permitted. I don't think Trump's having a good day. The psychosis, it might really be kicking his ass right about now. 844-967-2789. Um, there's a little bit here as well. This one from the Mediaite, and I'm going to give you some warning right now. Parents, if your children are in the car, give them the earmuffs. Uh, here is what is being reported. Following a brief recess, Judge Lewis Kaplan asked Trump's attorney, Lynn Haba, if she had any more witnesses to call the stand. When Haba responded that the former president intended to testify, Kaplan interrupted her to make a statement. Quote, I have a few things to say. There was a trial last year about the truth or falsity of Ms. Carroll's claims. Mr. Trump was listed as a witness but did not testify. The jury found for Ms. Carroll. There are no do-overs. It's called, it's it's called issue preclusion or collateral estoppel, Kaplan informed the jury, according to journalist Matthew Russell. 
Kaplan added, and here's the earmuffs. The jury found that Mr. Trump inserted his fingers into her vagina. This is the judge. And that Ms. Carroll did not make up her claim. And that Mr. Trump's June 11th and June 22nd statements were defamatory. Now, Mr. Trump may not make any argument against this. That's how he was introduced to the jury on his way to testify in his defense, quote unquote. From the Washington Post, when Haba told Kaplan that Trump had his, denied the sexual assault, Trump said angrily, still do. Maybe 148 million is really close. I mean, come on. 148 million over to, under. He's still doing it. He's still doing it like to this day yesterday. He's still doing it. And he's say, uh, you know, a 50 million, a hundred million. He's still going to do it. Then what? A billion? When does, when, when, at what point does the guy shut his mouth? Unbelievable. The former president muttered to himself at one point as he stood in the well of the court. Trump could be heard complaining bitterly to his lawyer saying, you should be able to do this. This is a separate trial. I don't even know what that means. When in time, uh, it was time to stop reviewing matters with the judge and start testifying. Trump lumbered slowly to the witness stand, walking past the nine member jury without looking at them. He raised his right hand, swore to tell the truth. <laughs> you <laughs> swore yeah, to right. tell the truth. I know it, it's hard for me to say and quickly angered the judge again. Why? By lying? But let's read what the Post reports. Though Kaplan had warned Trump and his lawyers to keep his answers brief, Trump said he denied Carol's accusation when she first made them because I just wanted to defend myself, my family, and frankly, the presidency. Kaplan immediately ordered that statement stricken from the official record of the trial. Trump was briefly cross-examined, as noted by our pal James Santel, by Carol's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, but had his total time on the witness stand done within five minutes. Five minutes. This is not America. A phrase he repeated getting louder and louder, Trump, as he walked out of the room flanked by his lawyers. It's not America. 844-967-2789. Jennifer from Madison, Wisconsin. You are next. Welcome, Jennifer. What do you got for us? Oh, hi. Um, I just have a comment about Trump's bloody hands that he was showing the other day after he came out of the courtroom. Do you yeah, remember? yeah. He has apparently yeah. lesions on his hands. I saw the, the pictures, the close-ups on Talking Point Memo, and he has some sort of bloody lesions on his hands. Well, you know, I, I've heard things like, oh, he has syphilis because he slept with the, you know, whatever. Anyway, but that's not what I think it is. So here's here's my theory, and I haven't heard What's this anywhere theory, else. I think he got mad, threw a little fit, cut his hands, and then thought, well, gee, I have all of these evangelicals that are really thinking I'm the savior. And I could pretend this was the stigmata. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, there's all those, funny, like, you know, where he thinks he's the new Jesus. So that's my theory. Well, that's a better theory from, from the personal point of view. I would rather be the, the second coming of Christ than, than the guy with syphilis. You know, that's just a better, better narrative from my point of view. 
might actually, yeah, he could be both, but, you know. And, you know, in reference to how crazy he is, just listen to Mary Trump. And I've also heard um, there's some woman, and she's a clinical psychologist, and she's written a book, and I, I can't remember her name, but, you know, there's a lot of um, professionals in the field that think he's a malignant narcissist. So I don't think it's like, speculation on the part of just the general public that he's got a serious problem. Well, well being a all. narcissist isn't, and thank you for the call, Jennifer, certainly appreciate it. I mean, anyone could be a narcissist if you try hard enough, uh, but if, if you have some other mental issues uh, that perhaps you cannot control, uh, that, that, that that's really the question. But well, we certainly appreciate you listening and hanging out with us. And I would just question, Jennifer, don't we the American people, don't all of us, don't we have the problem? You know, because this guy's trying to be the president again. Come back. One last segment for your phone calls. 844-967-2789. The Devil's Advocates rolling through a Thursday happier happy hour. The Devil's Advocates know how to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and we're all out of bubblegum. Yeah, thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show, our last segment of the day. So if you want to shout at the devil, do so right now at 844-967-2789. Stick around. The Maggie Dawn Show coming up next. Well, you stole my thunder. I was going to. I thought I had a cool way of introducing Maggie's show, but now it's not worth repeating. <laughs> She is a good friend, and I enjoyed her company immensely last night. I yeah, get awesome. very possessive of Maggie's company because I don't get to <laughs> hang out with her. She's she's Milwaukee, Milwaukeean, Milwaukeeite. She lives yep, in Milwaukee I, I get to see with Maggie you a lot more than you. <laughs> I know. I'm jealous. So very cool to hang out with Maggie and Catherine and my wife and uh, Casper came down as well. Always great to see. Oh, you. nice. 844-967-2789. You can be welcomed here on the Devil's Advocates. Shout at us. Give us a call. Uh, let's go to the phones. John from Boaz. How you doing, John? Hey, John. Hi. Hi. This is the greatest radio show ever. And you guys are um, you're doing it right now because you're, you're making this airwaves. And um, Mike. Can I be respectful asking you be nothing without your little buddy, Dom? <laughs> I know most days he does have to carry me. <laughs> I'm like Gilligan over here, man. John Thanks. dropped the mic. What you, you know, you are much better natured on the radio than in real life. I'll just say that. <laughs> Eight four four. That's not true. That's not true. Nine six seven two seven eight nine. Just as ranty, but the the friendly happy dom I only see on the radio. So I see a company requirement, man. I have to be. I can't say what I really want to say. Filter, earmuffs. Uh, Jack from Merrimack. Welcome back to the show. What do you got for us, Jack? Hi, Jack. Yeah. First of all, um, yes. Uh, you or I, or let's say the Waukesha parade uh, um, uh, murderer, uh, were to make the kinds of crazy things that uh, Trump is saying in court, they'd be shut into a glass um, 
uh, soundproof cage. Oh, that's what they actually did with this guy. So why don't they do it with Trump? That's the first thing. Second thing is uh, about Carrie Lake. Um, I'm going to make you offer you can't refuse. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, if, if it quacks like a bribe and it, it, it uh, walks like a bribe, then it is a bribe. And finally, um, the uh, my grievance for the day, don't call it in Wisconsin a bipartisan infrastructure bill because not one single Wisconsin Republican voted for it. Not only End that, Jack, rant, not please. one single Republican voted for the Infrastructure uh, Act, period. Not just Wisconsin. Like, no, no Republicans voted for it, Jack. No, that's not true. This, this bipartisan bill was a bipartisan bill. There were two infrastructure bills that passed. This one that was being touted today was a bipartisan bill, uh, according to the White House, and did have some some congressional support. But you make an absolutely perfect point, Jack, not from any of the Wisconsin Republicans, and certainly not from Ron Johnson. Who wants to close the entire Mexican border? Ah, Jack, you make an interesting point. Have a great day, buddy. Thanks for listening. Um, I see that Republican Senate leadership is begging the former president not to come waiting into this whole Ukraine border bill negotiations. I mean, too late. it, Too late. It, it, it's bad enough trying to negotiate with the terrorists from your own party. And I mean, Ron Johnson and the Mike Lee factions, but you throw Trump in, man, this deal's going to come apart. He's already out there today, uh, tweeting, whatever truthing out. Mitt Romney was, was the gas that Donald Trump would want to, you know, hold up some sort of Republican democratic deal to, you know, address uh, the, the, the migration issue here in this country and Donald Trump, much like his, his kind of attitude with regards to the economy. I hope it crashes. You know, I mean, Donald Trump wants bad things to happen. So it it, it, it hurts his political opponent. And then he can come in on his white horse and his his mega crowd and, and, and quote unquote, what, solve the problem then to what, sign the same deal that, that perhaps the Republicans and the Democrats are working diligently on. I mean, what, what kind of what kind of person would want? you know, terrible things to happen to the country that they want to represent, that they live in, that they want to be the president of just to help their own political aspirations. I mean, this narcissism, I mean, I don't know what you call it. Maybe there's more than that, but damn, I don't want that guy. Why would you want that person? Would you hire that person? You want the person dating a family member? I mean, would you hang out with that person? I don't think you would. Certainly, I would not want Trump dating a family member. I think it's sort of awkward. He wants to date his own family members, Tom, but that's a different conversation. But here, here's one thing I want to, my final thought for the day, Tom, it's not just Trump. It is all the mega Republicans. They have yeah. all become his enablers. You know, we just mentioned the fact there wasn't a single Republican of conscience that voted for the bipartisan investment deal. And Joe Biden got some bipartisan stuff done, but not, with these Republicans, not with these Wisconsin Republicans. Look it up, man. It's worth a Google. Why do you look at me? I, like, I did look it up, and that's why I'm, I'm still a little confused. But please continue. I'm not going to deal with it right now. When would be the time? Friday when we air well, the grievances? You're going to have yeah, a grievance? You're going to throw me under the bus? I mean, and 
Well, how can you say bipartisan when no? You just said it. it's a bipartisan deal, but no Republican voted for it. Well, isn't the definition no Wisconsin of Republican? I okay. didn't say right, no Republican voted. I wanted to draw that distinction because you said no Republican voted for it, and I said yes, indeed they did. Just none, none of ours, none of the six gerrymandered current Republican congressmen from the state of Wisconsin. And we're talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. Is that? I just want to be clear on what what bill you're talking about. I believe they were touting the bipartisan infrastructure investment today in oh, okay. Superior, okay. Wisconsin. I believe that was actually what was being touted was the bipartisan bill. But, you know, so often it is Republicans that voted against that want to go and claim the credit. Now, again, right. the president of the United States was in Superior delivering the bacon today, a big old bucket full of money to build a bridge from here well, to I mean, delivering bacon makes it seem like it's, it's pork, man. I mean, we're talking about infrastructure. You got a six-year-old bridge that's going to be a billion dollars to replace. I mean, it's not the only bridge in this country. We need to continually do this. It's infrastructure. I don't know if you know, Don, but when I say something's bacon, that's a compliment. That's a positive. <laughs> I love bacon. <laughs> I love bacon. Doesn't everybody? I they love bacon. bacon. Not everybody loves bacon, but I love bacon. Only Republicans would refuse the bacon. They refused to expand the Medicaid. They refused oh. to expand. They refused high-speed rail, broadband internet expansion. Only Republicans hate bacon. We love Jim Santel. Thank you so much, James, for joining us on this show. Tune in Saturday mornings, 9 to 11. I don't know what it's called, but you'll find him there. And tune in to us on Friday. Maggie Dawn is next. We're going to build a bridge from here to there.